Hey, what's going on, Trojan fans? Welcome to the Salute to Troy podcast here on the LA Football Network and live on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. I'm your co-host, Ryan Dyrid. As you can tell, flying solo today, The my cast of characters, Coach Rowe, the queen of LAFB, Candace, and the madman, Jamal Madney. We had some last-minute scheduling conflicts for this preview episode, unfortunately. So I'll be riding the solo. They'll be back for Victory Sunday and obviously moving forward. So no, nothing to worry about there, but unfortunately you got to deal with me for the next 20 or so minutes uh, just by myself. So we'll see how we do. Um, appreciate all the support as this show continues to grow. Um, love seeing that. You know, everyone, all your comments on YouTube are awesome. Make sure if you haven't done it yet, go to USC LAFB YouTube and hit that like and subscribe button. That certainly helps us out. Um, you can find all of our USC Trojans content at lafbnetwork.com. Uh, we got all USC stuff and then obviously all the other LA football teams there as well. So um, it's been fun. It's been awesome to see the growth and it's it's all because of uh, of you, the listeners and watchers. So, so thanks. Let's keep it up. Let's keep this thing rolling. And hopefully our USC Trojans keep it rolling. You know, 6-0 team, I can't remember a time, and it's warranted, so I'm not defending it, but I can't remember a time a 6-0 team was criticized probably as much as this USC Trojans team is. And, you know, that's the standard. Uh, you know, it was built, Candace talks about it all the time, as does Jamal and, and Coach Rowe. The standard built through the history of this program and this university and what it stands for in the city of Los Angeles, La- city of Los Angeles, excuse me, the fabric of LA. And so excellence is expected at every corner. And, this team is 6-0, and but they've obviously shown some gaps in what can be exposed when playing better teams. Not going to get into all that. We've talked about it at nauseum because this is a huge game. I think this is one of the best rivalries in all of college football, USC-Notre Dame. And uh, as of this recording, I actually fly out to Chicago and then drive to South Bend here in a couple hours. So I'm excited. I'll be out there in person. So make sure to check in with me. Um, if you're going out or are out there, would love to say what up. Hit me up on Twitter at Ryan Dyrud, LAFB. Um, and we'd, I'd love to meet up with you guys, whether it be in Chicago or actually in South Bend on, on campus on Saturday. But um, yeah, make sure to just tune in for my coverage as I'm out there. But this is such a good rivalry. You know, I, I, it's been noted many times on the show, you know, Jamal, Candace, Alfred, all alum of SC. I am the lone non-alum. But I get to cover the team in person, which is kind of my, my, I guess, blessing, um, not blessing to the show, but just like, I feel very honored that I get to be on campus, you know, twice a week and at every game covering this team, getting to know the staff, getting to know the players. And so while I didn't go to the university and have those, you know, historical memories, uh, obviously I grew up, well, not obviously you wouldn't know this, but I grew up watching SC, you know, I went to college at Long Beach State just down the road right after the dynasty um, of, you know, the Pete Carroll era. And, and so I know what this rivalry means. Obviously the Bush push is like the most famous one. You can go down the list of all these great games that come back, you know, way back in, what was that? 77, I think. So um, it's such a good rivalry and it's, it's one that's transcended time. It's one that transcends region. You know, you look at so many rivalries and it's, it's very regional. You know, we have the, the victory bell game, which is not just regional. It's, it's 12 miles apart. And that, to me, is the most underrated rivalry in all of college football, but that's for another time later in the season. But every other rivalry, for the most part, 
is, you know, within the state or within a regional confines, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, different states, but same conference, same, you know, regional area. SC Notre Dame is like a true, like, it doesn't make sense if you just like pull it apart. Obviously, we can go into what's gone into this rivalry and the games, and this is the 94th meeting. So there, there's the history there. But it's one just, it doesn't make sense. All the way in South Bend, Indiana, small town, college town. You have the bright lights of LA. You know, you're not in the same conference. It's beautiful, though. And it's it's lived the test of time. It's it's survived conference realignments. It's survived scheduling changes. Um, it's survived a couple years of not playing each other. And I think now it's back and better than ever. And SC obviously got the win last year at the Cauley. Uh, another defining moment for Caleb Williams. And this is going to be another one where he's going to have to play Superman. And I'm going to get into some kind of key points here of what this SC team is going to have to do. Uh, in order to win this game, but it's it's going to really come down to Caleb Williams being Caleb Williams. We talk about it all the time. He's the best player in America, hands down. Anyone that is questioning or, or looking at a different QB is, uh, as the old saying goes, paralysis by overanalysis, because it, it, it's just, what are you looking at? It's it's so clear that Caleb is on a different level. You know, we were in Colorado and in Boulder at that game. Shadora Sanders is a great player. Uh, has grit, great head on his shoulders, obviously, you know, comes from great lineage, great quarterback. You look at the stat line, he went toe-to-toe with Caleb Williams. But you watch the play, you watch the footwork, you watch the arm talent. It's it's a different level. Caleb Williams is just a tier above. And that's how he is on every quarterback, I think. You know, Michael, P- I'm getting off topic here, Michael Penix Jr., great quarterback. He is a true Heisman candidate and will be a true Maxwell finalist. Caleb Williams, different level. Bo Nix, not even close to the level. Sam Hartman, who we're going to talk about here in a minute with Notre Dame, who's like 45 years old. Really solid quarterback. Not in the same category as Caleb Williams. That's no disrespect to any of those quarterbacks. Caleb Williams is just that good. So this game, there's a number of factors, but it's going to come down to really Superman doing his Superman thing. We saw it last week at Arizona. We see it every week. What what stuck out to me about this Arizona game, if I can just go back one for one second. I know we we've, we've beat to the dead horse that game and, and what it meant. But just to go back one second, because I don't think I got this point across our, our recap episode. As a team, it was disappointing. You don't want to play down to that level, and Arizona's a budding program. They're a, they're a good school. They're not some dumpster fire. Like, Jed Fish is building a program there. So, it wouldn't have... Sh- you know, we did our score predictions. All of us had SC close to covering. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but, even with those score predictions, it wouldn't have shocked me if it was a close game. Now, triple overtime, 43-41, almost losing. That That's where it's like, okay. It, there's another level there where SC just never hit that. And... So as a team overall, definitely red flags. Definitely seeing the same things we've seen for the same three weeks. So we want to see that improvement, and we'll get into that for what they can do against Notre Dame. From a Caleb Williams perspective, probably his worst game, we mentioned, since he's been a Trojan that I can think of. The Oregon State game last year, also not a very good game. These had really a lot of similarities in a way. The offense, I mean, the offense only scored 17 points in that Oregon State game. But that was an away game, tough environment, benefit doubt. This was at home. 
offense couldn't get going. Caleb just looked off, missing throws, holding on to the ball too long. But we saw a facet of his game and the ability to him to take over the game doing something different. We all know how athletic he is. We all know he can extend plays with his legs. Going back to that Notre Dame name last year, had the iconic run where he's making defenders miss all over the place. Slides, first down sign. So we know he could do it with his legs, but we've never seen him take over a game with his legs. And so the fact that the passing game was just not there, didn't have 100 yards passing until two minutes left in the third quarter, was not there at all. Three rushing touchdowns, two-point conversion. He took the game over on his, with his legs, knowing this facet is not working. I'll do it a different way and get the job done. It might not look pretty, but we'll get it done. So that, I don't care what the opponent is. That, to me, was really impressive. Is that here's a guy that the fastball wasn't working, and he went to his changeup and won with his changeup and carried the team that way. Now, we SC's not going to survive if he has to do that every single week. SC's not going to survive if he has to do that probably one or two more times, <laughs> let alone six. They need to hit all phases, which they haven't done yet this year. You could argue Stanford they did, but we know Stanford's a very inferior opponent. But we could argue that was the one game where every phase of the starters, 49-3 to three at halftime, really hit. But now going to South Bend. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be cold, chilly. It's going to be loud and raucous. Tough environment. How will they respond? How will they respond to the criticism? You know, Lincoln Riley on Tuesday media availability asked yet again about the defense. And, you know, I, I think some... Here's what my opinion on, on kind of how coaches talk. A lot of fans want to hear a coach admit when something's failing. Everyone likes to point to, you know, you just got to be accountable. Got to be accountable. I get that. I do. My pushback on that is accountability is for the end of the season. There's no easier way to tear apart a locker room, tear down a player's confidence. Because again, this is, I wouldn't do this in the NFL, but even in the NFL, at least they're professionals getting paid. And I know these college guys are getting NIL money now, but they're not professionals yet. Some of these are 18-year-old kids, 19-year-old kids. Accountability can be had at the end of the season. You know, this is the bed USC made, bringing back Alex Grinch, bringing in these players. You don't make a change now. You don't tear down your DC now. You don't tear down your defensive players or staff. You have to have unwavering confidence. Because this is the bed, the bed you've made. This is the 23 season. No cha- no categorical changes will make things better. You can't fire a DC in college midseason. Staffs are already smaller than NFL staffs. So what, now Dante Williams is going to be your DC and your rec- top recruiter and your secondary coach? Is Lincoln going to call the defense? So you can't do that. So what you have to do is have unwavering confidence that what you have in place can get it right. And I know it's frustrating for fans because we see the same thing every single week. We hear the same thing. So I, I'm not calling fans out, but that's just my synopsis of kind of if there's frustration, you have to see it from that lens. Because if you start 
breaking down and tearing down your coaches and players, it's going to make things worse. And then you're not going to save the season at all. And you are 6-0. and So I bring that up because on Tuesday, Coach Riley asked again about the defense, and he kind of went into detail about he's seen big improvement. It's not the same defense of last year. They have some stars that have really shown out. Talked about how the media specifically, not all media he specified, but a lot of it had already a preconceived narrative that as soon as something went wrong, that was going to be the storyline. As soon as the defensive lapse happened, it was here we go again. Now, you can agree or disagree with that, but that was his his comments. So all I'm trying to say is, you know, I get from a coaching's perspective, and we may not want to hear it, fan, media, whoever, but I get it. I mean, you, you don't tear down what you're building midseason and expect a better result. Accountability is meant for the end of the year. And if this defense keeps letting this team down and Coach Riley still turns a blind eye on that at the end of the season and brings everything back it was, then we can be like, okay, now what's going on here? <laughs> what's happening now? But midseason, you, you got to just trust what you got. You're going to turn it around. So, all right, let's look at Notre Dame, right? Let's look at Notre Dame. Five and two. 21 ranked team in the nation. So still a top, top team. I'm still going to give SC everything. It's a rivalry game, but this is a game that I think SC, they won't because it's a rivalry game on, on the, on the road. But in terms of matchup, I actually like this matchup a lot for SC. And there's this kind of misconceived notion and narrative that Notre Dame is a, a, a bully ball run team, and they do have a good run game, so I'm not going to say they're not good, but the notion is they're going to just run the ball down the throats of SC and other teams. Sam Hartman, who was an upgraded QB for them, absolutely, but that he is this you know, game-changing QB in relativity to playing SC. I'm not saying not for Notre Dame. And so those are kind of the, the notions that, okay, this is a mismatch. Because everyone, everything you hear is like the trenches. Notre Dame is better. We know Lou Holtz thinks that <laughs> the trenches are better. Which you know, overall they might be. Notre Dame always has really great trench uh, play style, and that the running game is just going to beat up USC. And I'm not taking away anything from their backs. They have tremendous talent. But when you just look at the numbers, you know, Notre Dame is a 36th ranked offense, total offense with 437 yards. They're 35th in points with 34.1, and obviously that's dragged down a little bit from that Ohio State game because that was a very low-scoring game. They're 50, or let me say this, they're 42nd passing offense, 266 yards passing. Arizona's above them. 51st rushing offense. SC's 52nd. And SC's not known as a running team. Notre Dame's known as a running team, and they're one spot above SC with 171 yards per game. So I, I'm not at all saying that they're not a threat and that that run game is going to pose some problems for SC, just the, the schematically how they do defense and they play light boxes. So it, it it's probably going to look more like a top 10 rushing offense than a 51st. But I just want to set the record straight. This isn't necessarily a dominant running game now they have the ability to so there's it can't be slept on but this defense coach rose done whiteboard stuff which has been awesome if we see little tighter boxes or heavier boxes i should say and we 
play numbers, that's not changing the scheme a whole lot, right? I mean, even if we go to a a three-backer set, do a traditional 4-3 instead of kind of they run a like a 4-2-4, four, four, uh, excuse me, a 4-2-3 a kind of thing. Um, is that, I'm terrible at math, yeah. Um, if they go to a traditional kind of 4-3 and, and bring in the three-backers, we know Coach Riley talks about all the time, we talk about all the time, SC has five capable backers, right? We saw Shane Lee finish the game against Arizona and look strong. I mean, he's he's a true traditional run-stuffing backer. So what I would do, if you're going to stick with two in this game, I would go Shane Lee and Mason Cobb. Mason Cobb's your your starter. I know he had the one struggled game against Arizona State. He's, he's fine. Shook off the rust. He's your best backer. If you're going to stick with two, Shane Lee and Mason Cobb, and you can have a rotation with Tackett, and Sean and Gentry, obviously, on situationally because of his length and size and what he just the different he brings to that room. If you're going three, then I would go Gentry, Mason Cobb, and Shane Lee. Because then you get the run stopping ability of Shane Lee. You get the the size, the length of Gentry. You could even do Rayshon Davis instead of Gentry. Tackett Curtis, I think, is improved. It's going to be great. Coach Riley talked about that as well in his presser, about how he's seen tremendous improvement from Tackett. But let's, you know, when you're going up against this Notre Dame squad, let's see how he matches up. And I think Rayshon Davis gives you better opportunities, Shane Lee and Eric Gentry. But I, I expect a heavy rotation. Got to get Davis on the field, man. Rayshon Davis, I think, played great when he had to come in due to some injuries. Obviously, that was against lesser opponents. But got to see him in there more. But I would run against this, this Sam Hartman-led Notre Dame offense. I would run three backer sets. I don't expect SC to do that. But that's what I would do. Especially if Damani Jackson's still banged up. We, I don't, we don't know for sure if he's good to go or not. We'll obviously keep you guys posted as soon as we hear anything. And that secondary is already very thin. So I know there's reports... We were at practice, reports about Makai Lemon doing some reps at DB. Riley addressed that in our Thursday Zoom. That's just contingency. He's a receiver. They're not moving him over to secondary. But if injuries mount up, at least he, he has the ability um, to get in there. So just want to let everyone know that if anyone heard those reports. Uh, it's not Makai Lemon's not all of a sudden going to become a, a defensive back. So those are numbers. Offensively, we know USC's great. Fourth in total offense, first in points. Um, we don't need to talk a whole lot about the offense because we know, at least we think we know, they're dominant. It was a struggle last week against Arizona, and hats off to Arizona, the game plan they had. Now, I would expect SC to get off to a quicker start, similar to what we saw in Colorado. You know, that was a that was a hype game. That was a, a tough environment. Nationally televised, obviously. Fox Big Noon kickoff was there. They'll be at Notre Dame again. And the SC offense got off to a roaring start. Where they struggled was in the second half. So I expect them to get back to that, get off to a good start, and then hopefully the defense can get into a rhythm because the defense last week finished much stronger, had some lapses, as they they seem to have often, but the second half was much better. So if they can get after the quarterback, Jamil Muhammad, Solomon Bird, Bear Alexander, they can wreak havoc. We have a, a stiffer box and just tackle. Right, 
not give up big plays due to due to missed tackles. That's what it's going to come down to. So, should be a great game. I got SC winning this one. It'll be a close one, but I think SC moves to seven and zero. Hopefully, they can silence some critics, even if it's a close game, but just show that they can win at every level when necessary. Um, if we're doing score prediction, I'll go, I'll go thirty-eight to thirty-one. Uh, SC with the seven-point win. That's all the time we got, though. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with me. I know it was solo, little different, little different vibe, but hey, I appreciate you all hanging out. This is the Salute Detroit podcast. I'll be out at Notre Dame. Can't wait to see all you. Hit me up again on Twitter, Ryan Dyrd, LAFB. Make sure to like and subscribe to the USC LAFB YouTube channel and check out all of our USC content at lafbnetwork.com. Everyone take care. Be well. Have a great weekend. Fight on.